It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Brandon Scott, again with my guy, the real Ed Oliver. Today, we have special guest, Will Clayton. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly about the Washington Wizards next on Locked On Wizards. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Brandon Scott, again from Locked On Wizards with my guy, the real Ed Oliver, and special guest, Will Clayton. Thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the uh, Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So again, what's going on, Will? How you doing today, man? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm stoked to be on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're going to dive right into it, man. Um, first question today I got for you. We're going to do a little bit of Wizards Matrix, man. Blue pill, red pill. All right. So the blue pill is standing pat, right? Rolling with the solid three. You know, they, they resign. You got Gaffin on an extension. And we try to add a point guard and, and or a wing. Or you take the red pill and it's a total rebuild from GM on down. Which, which pill are you taking tonight? Oh, that's the red pill. I mean, I think anybody who follows me knows it's the red pill. Um, you know, I, I just think we're, you know, if you're going the blue pill route, we're, we know where that's going. Um, whereas the red pill, the key thing that you said on that was the GM part. Now, if I can take that red pill and there's a new GM and we can rebuild and kind of start fresh, 100%, 100%, that's where I'm at. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, uh, you know, I know they're going to see this this through with the the core but you know we'll uh we'll see where it goes uh but give me that red pill give me 20 red pills give me 50 red pills yeah i'm with you man i think that if they make the decision to rebuild it has to be a total rebuild man you know because if you look at the gm position you know his scouting hasn't been the best the scouting department that's just they're not hitting all their picks now if you look at the picks they're solid role guys and they have potential you know denny has a lot of potential you know he's a three-point or, or let's say a consistent three-point shot away from being a really good player. Johnny Davis is starting to show a lot of potential. You know, Corey Kispert, you know, with his, with his ability to shoot and cut to the basket in his IQ, and, you know, and, and I guess you can add Rui, even though he's now a Laker, but, you know, he hasn't exactly hit guys who can come in and be starters and be really high ceiling guys right away. So, yeah, and, you know, looking at coaching, you know, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I think that if 
this team rebuilds or decides to hit the rebuild button, it's got to be a total rebuild. They got to just go ahead and scrap the whole program, man, and really start from scratch. So that would be my opinion. I would definitely, I'll be taking the red pill with you, man. So I'm with you. Yeah, I, I would, I would take the red pill too. I think we've seen is we've seen this run its course with Brad as the number one guy, and I'm a, I'm a big Bradley Bill fan of when he's developed from, you know, a guy who could barely dribble and. Now he's got a bag now. Not, he's not just a three-point shooter. He could do more things. But at the same time, we know with him as the leader of the team, as the number one option, you're just not going to make the playoffs. I mean, the peak of him being the number one guy was the Russell Westbrook year where we where we barely, barely made the playoffs. We had to be in the play-in. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's time to start fresh. And now Bradley Bill's out against the Spurs tomorrow night. Kyle Kuzma's out. So I think they're finally realizing that the season's over. They're finally doing a soft tank. They're trying to get the best draft position that they can get, which is finally the right decision that they're making. So um, they actually made the right decision there. Um, but with Porzingis and Kuz and Brad, um, the solid three, and, and Kuz came out and said it himself that they're really not a big three. None of them are all-stars. And, you know, the whole thing about Brad and the clutch, you know, I think those comments, you know, I, I think the season was over once he made those comments. It just looked like the body language has been off. And, you know, the fact that, they just promoting this big three and that they, they don't even make the plan. Um, it's just really, really disappointing. So um, I, I think there's no other way, but I mean, of course this team, like you said, well, like you said, Brandon, they're going to try to see it through and um, there's no choice, but if, if Kuz leaves this all season and Porzingis leaves this all season, then that, that definitely will be the worst case scenario for this team and this franchise. Or the best. Cause I mean, that, I feel like that forces their hand. If anything, like, if if you're Brad and Kuz and KP opt out, are you going to request for a trade? Like I I I would, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, like. But, oh, go ahead, Brandon. Oh no, go ahead, man. I mean, I was going to throw in there real quick. Um, I think the thing with that with the Bradley Bill situation is it. The is already done, man. Because if you look at his contract, you know he gets paid more every year, and he's not getting younger. And his skill set, you know, while, you know, he's still that scorer, his three-point shot just ain't there anymore. You know, he's more of a mid-range guy. And we, if you add in the trade kicker and the no-trade calls, I mean, really, you know, try to look through the eyes of 29 other GMs. Would you trade for a guy going into the 30s who his skill set is diminishing to where, I mean, it's going to be a tough trade, man. I mean, you could say that it's untradeable. You know, we call the John Wall trade untradeable. We call the Westbrook trade untradeable. And Tommy was able to move them, but you know, this is a whole new animal, man. You know, if you look at the, the list of players in this league who've had no trade clauses, you know, Stephen Curry ain't got his no trade clause. So I'm just saying. So, yeah. And the whole thing, if they leave for nothing, of course, you would want because you could have traded Kuz at the deadline. So that would be the the worst aspect about it. Of course, you know, he came out and said that he wants to live in a place where it's near uh, Los Angeles and like near uh, overseas at the same time, something like that. So, and then Chase Hughes reportedly said that Kuz could possibly get $30 million. So if if, if you're going to have to pay him that, and then Przingis, you know, his options around 30, above 30 million, you got Brad at 50 mil. So it's just, it, it's, it's a it's an interesting situation to pay those three guys that much money and you didn't even make the plan last year. So it, it it's just the Wizards are in one of the worst situations in, in, in the NBA right now. Yes, sir. So before we move on, man, um, to our next question tonight's episode is brought to you by nissan aria and if i'm going to compare the nissan aria to a player i guess i'm going to compare it to christopher zingas 
they're both electric, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, <laughs> elegantly powerful. Delivers on duality, a combination of fierceness and elegance. Beautiful, but strong. Good guy. The power, <laughs> the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Tom. So, uh, next up, E. Yes, sir. So, Spencer Dinwiddie came up with some comments the other day. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Spencer Dinwiddie's time here in D.C. is a lot of Wizards fans were, but um, it was just, it was interesting what he said. And he did echo things that us as a fan base say, like, what's the direction of this team? There's no direction. Um, so there was some truth to that. So I'll read the quote out and I just want to get your thoughts on it, Will and, and Brandon as well. Uh, quote, he said, the team was trying to figure out an identity, right? Going in several different directions. He said of the Wizards organization at the time, quote, we had Rui coming back from what he was struggling with, um, the personal reasons. And then Denny was supposed to be like the second coming of Luka Doncic. You got Bradley Bill, who's obviously the max guy. You got the Lakers guys coming over who want to establish themselves independently of LeBron James. It was a situation where I was just saying, like, what are we doing? Question mark, end quote. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. You know, he brought up Denny's name in there. He name dropped a couple guys, which he has. This is like the 30th, 100th time that Dinwiddie has called bad about the Wizards organization, which um, they just left on bad terms. I just want to get your thoughts on it. You know, do you think it was necessary for him to throw Denny's name in there like that and Rui's name in there? And just the whole thoughts about the organization as well. So, I mean, so all because there's multiple parts to this. Um, the I'll start with, you know, I know it feels like Spencer's saying this, like constantly bring it up. I know people are asking him, but he does have a lot to say about it whenever he asks. And whenever he does talk about it, um, he does mention a lot of different things and a lot of different names. He does not mention himself. He does not talk about his role in the situation. Like in that conversation he had with uh, with Taylor Rooks, he was saying like, um, he was just like, I-, I was just asking, what's my role? What's my role? And then in the same breath, he says, I came in thinking I was second to Brad. Like I'm the number two. I know. So you know what your role is. What are you talking about? What's people's role? Like it, it to me, it sounds like, like my reading of the situation is, you know, he came in there and I think he, as he thinks he's the de facto number two. And maybe he was told that, you know, by Tommy, like that's what he was sold or whatever. Like, and if that's the plan, cause that made sense going into the season with how the roster was structured, that Dinwiddie's the number two. Um, I think he may have tried to do a little bit of stepping up in leadership and it rubbed people the wrong way. Um, and I mean, given how he was playing, like he shot what 36% from the field during his two months here. And I mean, he had he had some, you know, flashes or good games, or whatever. And I understand he was playing injured, but, you know, he had that contract that kind of incentivized him to play injured. Um, and th- those are all things that he does not mention when he talks about the Wizards struggling. So the second part of it, the Wizards having no plan. 
that's a hundred percent true. I mean, every every single Wizards fan that's been watching this team for the last few years couldn't cop to saying that like they have no idea what they're doing. I mean, they're they're literally they went all in on this big three for this season. I mean, they're on track to have a worse record um, than than what they had last season. Like, um, and that's with Brad being out for the entire second half of the year. You know, I know we got Kristaps halfway through, but like we also started on that 10 and three run. Like there, there's so many just like, you know, it's exactly right. Nobody knows what the wizards are doing. So, I mean, he's, he's right in that regard, but the whole, like, you know, him being kind of nebulous and, you know, squirrely about what really went down in Washington. Um, you know, I don't, I don't buy all of that. Uh, as far as that, like the Denny stuff, like second coming to Luca. That's such that's such a fucking bullshit. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's such a bad thing to say because um, it was even in Denny's second season, we knew at that point that he was not Luca. Like it was very clear from the first the first season. And even though Scott Brooks was parking him in the corner and they're playing him and then as this three and D role, um, he he just he wasn't. I mean, Luca came in and he's rookie of the year and just you know, doing triple doubles. Denny's not doing that. I mean, Denny had good defense and, you know, he, he, he had struggles shooting. Like that was his rookie year. There was, it was just a learning curve. So, you know, I, back to Spence's whole point. Yeah. Like the wizards are dysfunctional, but Spence is, uh, Spence is, uh, not telling the whole story there, I think, because I don't, I don't think Kuzma, Brad, all of those guys have that kind of negative reaction to him. Uh, whenever he's in town, like those dudes are pretty cold to him. Um, and I don't think it's something as, as simple as questioning what your role is. Yeah, it's it's crazy that he got a tribute video as well. But, um, I mean, yeah, for him to throw Denny in there and say he's the second coming of Luca, I don't know if Tommy Shepard came out there and said that. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's no accountability from Spencer Dinwiddie. He didn't talk about how he used to throw grenades at the end of the shot clock or how he could barely move or he was a cone on defense. He would let guys go by him or he would throw up floaters from the free throw line and they would miss off the side of the backboard. So no accountability from him at all. Yeah, and like, like I said, I do agree with him. I mean, there's no way you could disagree with him about the the position or the directionless franchise that we have. You know, the direction, the plan is to make the plan or, you know, get two home playoff games or get that eighth seed and lose in the first round to the Bucks, or get gentlemen swept by the, the Sixers, you know, like we did two years ago. So that's really the direction. Um, you know, Rui was out, so there's truth to that. There was just a lot of guys fighting for minutes, egos, Montrose Harrell. Um, it, it, it was just – it was a, a rough show. And then you have a first-year head coach who struggled to manage egos and guys bickering. Berton, yeah, Berton's on a big contract as well. He wasn't playing well. Um, so yeah, the 10 and three start was good, but it, it was a disaster. It was a lot of the guys who were really with the same skill set, just fighting to be the man and Montrose hair had that MVP start. He thought he was the man at one point too. So, um, yeah, it was rough, but Dinwiddie, he's just, every interview he had, he has, he has no accountability. He never talks about himself, um, at all and how he played. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys. I don't buy this whole he came in here blind. Nah, come on, man. You knew what you you knew what you were coming in to do, man. Come on. And then, I mean, I guess there's there's several different factors in this whole mess, right? Number one, going back into the, this organization not knowing what it, what they want to do. Well, that's been since the beginning. You know, coming out of the John Wall era, you know, Teleonsis had no idea. He didn't. He wasn't very transparent with what he's trying to do. He didn't really go out and get these top people in the industry to help 
retool or rebuild his team. He went in and he took the assistant to Ernie Grunfield and said, here, like he's going to do anything different. Like this guy worked underneath under Grunfield for how long? What do you, I mean, he was his disciple. So why would you come into that situation and think that he's going to miraculously become like, no, it's, they have no identity. You know, they, they looked at it from, you know, we got rid of John Wall. We're trying to boost Bradley Bill to be this guy, even though we're all screaming to him. He's not that guy. He is not that guy that you pay a supermax to and um, put the team on his shoulders. You know, me and E were talking about this on um, the last video, uh, the last game, man, where if you look at a lot of these top players in the Eastern Conference, these players have the ability to put the team on their shoulders and win games, whether it's Embiid, whether it's Giannis, whether it's Tatum. But looking at Bradley Bill, you can't give him the ball and say, look, the fourth quarter is yours. Get us a win. No, because he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not that tier of a player. So it, this was doomed to fail from the beginning at the end of the John Wall era, man, because there was no clear direction from the beginning. You know, just <laughs> Bertans. You, you, you re-signed this guy, and then <laughs> it's just it, it's a mess, man. So look at that Spencer Dibwitty. He knew what he was getting into. You don't sign no daggone contract if you don't know what you're doing. He knew what he's doing. You know, he did try to have a leadership role, but this look, this team's Bradley Bill. It's Bradley Bill's team. You know, he and there was a lot of friction. There's been a lot of friction with guys because he's that guy and he wants to be the only voice. But then, in the, but then the kicker to this, he's not enough of a voice to really ebb and influence anybody. So, you know, it's just because if you look at it, Spencer Dewey had an issue. Montrez Harrell had an issue. Now, Kyle Kuzma, you know, look, he inadvertently he's taking shots and you know, he's kind of telling people where his mind is at because why would I sign a $30 million a year contract to be a quiet voice in the corner? No, nah, with that money comes expectations, just like Bradley Bill's contract. And I know there's a small piece of this fan base where they're really heavy on Bill. And I'm and, and my thing is this. I like Bradley Bill. I like his skill set. But the criticism comes not because of you. It comes because of the contract. When you sign that contract, there are certain expectations that comes from that contract. You need to be the guy that shoots the last shot. You need to be the leader. You need to be the guy that's digging into people. You know, between him and Wes, we're going to talk about Wes in a bit. You know, there's no leadership. There's no clear vision. You know, it's just it's madness. You know, what is the, you know, insanity? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing repeatedly and expecting different results. And they continue to do the same thing every year and expect different results. So, um, yeah, that, that's why my take on it is, man. No, hundred percent. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head on everything. I mean, I think we have we have all have good perspectives on it. Um, I really hope Dinwiddie doesn't speak on the Wizards again. It really <laughs> makes me upset when he talks about. Um, I'm ready to move on from that. Like, if he yeah. just wants to stop, if everyone just wants to stop talking about the Dinwiddie era in Washington, that would be for the better. Right. Well, we're gonna get to Wes here, but we got a quick word from Ibotta. Groceries, school shopping, and getting a little something for yourself, you know you're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce, personal care, to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. Typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. You can earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. 
just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, Brandon, you got a question about Wes Unsell Jr. Yes, I do. But real quick, man, I bought it, man. That's tough looking at the word, man. It's kind of like a quinoa. I mean, <laughs> anybody look at quinoa say, man, that's Ganoa? Like, <laughs> Quino. Yeah, man. It's like. I went to the store. I said, where's the Genoa? They said, quinoa. Like, Come on, man. Um, all right, get into West, man. Um, my question for you is this. Um, is the second season, do you feel like the sample size is big enough to really evaluate the head coaching position and maybe send him on his way next season? So, so I like – I typically I wouldn't think – you know, it's enough of a set. Well, actually, that's not true. I think two seasons is plenty of a sample size. I think the problem is he was dealt kind of a crap hand with the roster he was given. Um, but that's, you know, I can't really use that as an excuse, especially when you have multiple 17, 19, 20 point leads that you're giving up. Like, I mean, his biggest issue to me is game feel and adjustments. Like, the number of times I've seen someone, you know, a team that we're playing come out in the second half and just absolutely blow the doors off us because they figured out how to exploit our defense or lack thereof that, you know, it's, it's too many to count this season. And I mean, you know, yeah, I think like, you, you know, we could have a better roster. We've struggled with some injuries to key players at certain times, but like that doesn't explain dropping games to the, you know, when we're fully healthy to the Hornets, like that doesn't explain, you know, like I said, all those comebacks earlier. So um, there, there's so many times where I've seen him, you know, we're squandering one of those leads in the middle of it. And we're at this 14, like, I can't remember who it was, but we're, he'll let up 12, 14 straight points before he calls a timeout. And it's just like, dog, what, like, what are you doing? Like, and the fact that, you know, you know, when I'm on Twitter, I see everybody on Wizards Twitter just kind of lighten up like, Wes, what are you doing? Wes, where's the timeout? Wes, you know, like, if, if the fans can see that, like, how is, how is the coach not seeing that? So, I mean, there's, there's some merit to people who have said that, like, you know, get him a veteran assistant coach. Um, and, you know, I think that would help, but I think the real answer is that I don't think Wes is a head coach caliber type of coach. I think he's better suited as an assistant. Um, you know, it, you, you bring him in and his whole calling card was his defensive minded you know, coach. And where is that? Uh, you know, I, I said on Matt's pod that, you know, I'll see it on an individual level, but I don't see any sort of concerted effort or scheming to, to make it happen. 
Um, it's really just players who have, you know, good instincts or they, they make a good play, whether it's Gaff or KP being good rim protectors, DeLon just going superhuman on the perimeter and passing lanes, you know, Denny, Denny being able to be patient and hold his own on some wings. Um, you know, that's more so where I see it than just like an overall scheme where we have everybody working together. Um, and then in terms of his, you know, offensive play or offensive, play, like I, I don't know where that is. I think most of that comes from we just have talented offensive players and we get mismatches. Like Beal, Beal's a bucket. KP can get a mismatch. Um, you know, and Kuz, you know, now that he's getting more chance, you know, they, they all average 20 points this season. So, I mean, th they can all score. Um, people are going to bicker about the efficiency of Kuz or whatever or, you know, KP's ineffectiveness in the fourth quarter. But, you know, that that, that a lot of that ties back into like, you know, can West get ways to open, get open looks for people. And, you know, I, I think the, I think two seasons is enough for me personally. Um, and, you know, I think Tommy needs to go before Wes needs to go. I think that's the way, because you can't, you can't let Tommy hire another coach. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just tough. I think like, I think it was Matt Moderna who post or uh, who um, posited that like we could use, you know, Wes as a bridge coach um, while they rebuild. Maybe that was Oz, but like once Tommy's gone or they do a rebuild, because, you know, Wes has what, like a, a four-year contract, so he's in year two of that. And I don't think Ted's the kind of guy that's going to be paying two people that he may let go, whether someone gets canned. Because I think at the end of the season, someone's going to, like the finger's got to be pointed at somebody, you know, and I don't know where that fallout goes. But, um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm unfortunately out on Wes because, and I really wanted to be in on him, but I just haven't seen it. Yeah, but I think that the whole Wes Unseld signing was part of the confusion. First of all, you know, it's confusing in so many ways. All right, Bradley Bill's your guy. You're letting him have input on free agency. You know, Spencer Didwitty was a move that he wanted. He he was a big catalyst to bring Spencer Didwitty here. And, I mean, the relationship lasted to the trade deadline. So, um, he, you know, I I believe he wanted Sam Cassell. You know, he was very transparent in Sam Cassell being a candidate for a head coaching. But, you know, I think you're right. You know, he came into a situation where you have veteran guys and you have young guys who are trying to develop. And that's a tough situation for uh, a first-time head coach. But saying that, you know, his lack of adjustments are have to be the most frustrating thing about watching him coach. You know, he even if he has a good first half, he stands pat. He he doesn't make adjustments. He just he's 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 not a, a fluid coach where he kind of makes moves on the go. He'll stick with a lineup and he's with it. That's it. You know, this tall lineup. While I am a fan, and both me and E were both catalysts for them going bigger, and it, and it works, but. You know, you have to be able to look at a roster and make adjustments here and there. Like, you know, going against Cavaliers with Jared Allen and um, Evan Mobley, yeah, I'm going big. But, you know, you can't roll a big lineup against every single team in this league. You have to be able to kind of match and match here and there. And with this roster, he has that. You know, Denny can play two positions. You know, most of the guys on this, on this team can play more than one position. So you have that ability to kind of match and match against, you know, kind of – and it comes with scouting. You know, and, and Kyle Kuzma, again, said that. They're not really looking at their opponents. They're, and I don't understand that. How do you don't know who you're playing? You know, you, you've had how many shooters come in DC and shoot us out the building. It's just the scouting, the fact that he they're not studying their opponents, you know, not watching tape. It, it screams that it's time for them to go. He's maybe he's not ready to be a head coach. You know, he, he's an assistant coach, and, and that's cool. We we know that now, but I think that 
you know, depending on where we're going with this team, but they have to bring in a veteran guy who's going to hold people accountable. You know, there's no voice right now. Wes sits over there and, you know, he's he's stoic, not saying anything. You know, Bradley Bill's high in five and who, depending on who we're playing, if it's Boston, he's definitely high fiving people. And then, you know, <laughs> it's just, there's no accountability. There's no leadership. You know, Kyle Kuzma came in and he did show leadership. But since he made those comments, you have not seen much leadership out of Kyle Kuzma. You've seen body language and screams, man, look, these nine games need to go because I'm ready to go on vacation. So, you know, looking at West, I think the best course of action would be to fire him. You know, and I'm with you. I don't see uh, Ted firing both of them. So it's going to have to be one or the other. If they get rid of West, you know, unfortunately, we're going to go into a really deep draft with Tommy Shepard at the helm. And, <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of decisions need to be made, man. So uh, what do you think, e? Definitely, yeah. It was it was definitely uh, you could say a nepotism hire. You know, his dad, of course. You know, the winning the only Wizards champion or the Bullets champion championship. Um, his dad, yeah. Shout out to the hat there for from Will <laughs> Bullets hat, legendary hat. Um, nice. So I mean, they they you know honor honoring his dad's legacy. Um, I do think they should have got a coach with experience, especially with the the veterans that they had. So many veterans on the team, so many egos. Um, but Wes has just been on the wrong side of history too much. We lead the league and giving up 15 plus point leads. Uh, the 35 point lead given up to the Clippers last year, um, giving up 100 points in the paint to the Nuggets, losing to the Nets at home by 41. Um, there's just so many the the Cam Thomas game where he had 40, where he gave up 40 points. I mean, Cam Thomas had a couple 40 point games, but we gave up that lead. Um, Kuzma said that we don't know our personnel, letting um, Michael Porter Jr. hit six threes. Uh, letting the Kings, uh, f- uh, three guys hit five threes on us, not knowing our personnel, leaving guys, shooters wide open. Um, so, yeah, there's just a lot of numbers that you look at West, And then, honestly, he really hasn't – the defense, the defense rating numbers haven't really improved since Scott Brooks. And Scott Brooks, we bash him for being such a, a, a terrible defensive uh, coach. And you just haven't seen it get much better. So I just haven't seen much improvement from Wes uh, with this team. So if they do move on from West, I don't mind it at all. If it was a rebuilding situation, then sure, I think Wes would have been in a better situation that way to start off. Um, so, yeah, his tenure here. And then Tommy Shepard, he needs to be evaluated, just the whole front office. And, of course, we got to point to Ted Leonsis because he's the leader of the ship and, and just the way the organization's ran, so we can't let him off the hook. Um, so that, that's my take on it, um, if they do move on from West. But I got a question for you, Will. Um, it's kind of a loaded question. Got to talk about Denny, of course. So, oh, yeah. what percentage do you see him being on this roster past the trade deadline next season? Because you know, you see a, uh, all our first round picks. Basically, you can just say they're going to get traded. Rui getting traded, Kelly Oubre getting traded, Troy Brown Jr. getting traded. So the list goes on and on and on. Of course, only Otto Porter got a second contract. Bradley Beal got a second contract. Those are the guys since what 2012 have gotten second contract so what's your take on that and then what do you think is the best best case scenario for him this all season to improve his game uh well i mean first i mean make it past the trade deadline he's got to make it through the off season because i've already <laughs> seen people pitching denny trades um, <laughs> to indiana and i mean I, I i get it like i totally get it because if we're going if we're going to build around the big three you know reset the contract cycle get another rookie and i mean you know people are wanting production on offense uh, out of a forward spot. And I, you know, we need scoring from the bench. Like I, I completely understand, you know, all the arguments for it. Um, but uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a little biased cause he's my guy, but like, I, I do think there's a, a really good player um, in there. Uh, you know, his highest ceiling is kind of like, you know, a very high end, you know, I, I you know, I'm, 
hard you know it's hard to say the word elite uh, role player but i think he could be that caliber of player um just because i think what he provides on the defensive end if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics um he's for his age he's just he's already a very very good defender um if he can stop complaining to the refs and get some of them on his side maybe they'll call a little less fouls over time um if he can work on getting his finishing and his shooting just tighten up a little bit and i'm talking like marginal percentages because right now he's averaging like eight points a game um 8.6 or something and that's a slight improvement from last year um and if he can just tick those up a bit and become like an 11 12 13 point per game player uh, he's 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 a really good rebounder um you know i don't know if that's a function of you know kp's not so there's boards to get um but you know i think he works hard on the boards um he's great in transition so you know i i like a lot of what he offers and i think he's his abilities are negated because we play in the half court a lot and when he was playing with Kuz and brad and kp he's not really going to be getting you know, top looks on offense, but you see these last couple games where Kuzma's out and he's getting a little bit of a bigger role and kind of gets to play within himself and, you know, play a little freer. And I mean, and that's kind of the player I was expecting we were going to get, but I don't think he, it's not that he doesn't get the opportunity. It's just, he doesn't always play like that. Um, and it's, it, it, it's some of it's the matchup, con, you know, contingent. Some of it's, you know, I think he's in his own head a little bit, but, uh, but in terms of whether he's here past that trade deadline or not, I hope so. You know, I, I love, I would love to keep the kid, but you know, it, it, it's going to be hard for them to justify keeping him unless they can do a wink, wink deal on some kind of extension. Um, they may let him hit restricted free agency and match if he's not going to be getting a big deal. You know, it really depends on what he comes out doing next season. Cause uh, if he goes through the off season and he comes out having one of those really like blossoms, um, where, you know, it seemed like, oh, he's going to be hitting everything. You know, I know Rui went, um, you know, MIA for a little bit, but like when he came back, he was draining threes, you know, he looked like kind of like a different dude. If he can have that kind of fourth year jump, um, or if he can find a way to just own in on what he's doing in the, the times where he's doing turbo mode and bring that consistently every single night, you know, you, uh, you make it hard uh to decide what to do with him because like i i think you can extend him reasonably on a good contract because he hasn't blown up yet so i mean there's a way to lock in a you know a player that's about to blossom on a decent deal but uh you know that's also a big risk because you don't want to lock in a long-term player that you know can't finish um and i love my guy but if you got to finish denny you got to finish those um but yeah that's that's kind of where i see that head and um it's really up in the air but um, I, I, I'm always going to be in his corner. I think he's going to have a long career just because he's a good defender. He's 6'9 with a quick first step. He can handle the ball. He can run. You put him on someone like the Warriors or the Spurs, and he's going to be a, uh, a big part of that rotation, I think. Yeah, I think I think he um, definitely has potential for sure. Um, just has to improve from the three-point line, shooting 29% from the three, uh, 43% from the field. Um the game, I know the the narrative is that he doesn't play well against uh, playoff teams, but he did play pretty well against the Nuggets and that he only plays well against lottery teams like the Rockets, but he had a good game the other night uh, with 16 points. Uh, nice fadeaway and, you know, nice in and out against Aaron Gordon, who's a solid defender as well. So, you know, you see the flashes, just, you just have to see consistency. Um, Drew the ball with his left hand. Like you said, not complaining to the refs. 
knocking down a three, mid-range game. He's a good rebounder, solid defender, but there's just so many times where – the confidence is so huge with him. If he misses – if he starts the game off missing two or three shots, he'll put his head down or gets called for a couple of fouls and put his head down. So that's body language and, and confidence is a huge, huge thing for him. Um, as far as him being here after the trade deadline, personally – and it's not just him. It's just how the Wizards organization has been. They just have not been able to retain their first-round picks. Um, so I think it's more likely than not that he's going to be that he's going to be back, or, or more likely that he won't be here. Uh, but time will tell. We'll see. We'll see if he works out with Drew Hanlon again this offseason. We'll see if that works out. Um, his offseason program, his offseason workouts, and um, yeah, I think everybody's on the table too for a trade. So he he could be a guy that's just used. Um, in a trade, if they can get a, a you know more talent, you know, just they have to. Everything should be on the table this off season. So if there's any way you can upgrade the roster, if you have to trade anybody, it could be you know uh, Delon Wright or anybody who else, Monte Morris, Dale Gafford, anybody should be on the table if yep. the price is right to attain whatever you know potential All Star to bring in. So we'll see. I'm intrigued to see how his off season goes and how this next season goes for Denny. He has a lot of he has a lot of stands that are they're in the chat every night that definitely. <laughs> A lot of, a lot of, a lot of, they have a lot of support for them. I saw that, uh, that episode uh, yeah. two nights ago or whatever. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, really, I think there's, real quick, man, I think there's three main factors you got to kind of look at Denny with, man. Number one, you know, he puts a lot of pressure on himself. You know, when he, you know, his confidence is a big thing. If you notice when he's confident, man, he's, he's, he's a heck of a player. He can play some ball, but when he's not, you know, he really gets down on himself. You know, the second thing I look at is, you know, coming over from a league where, you know, de- defensive wise, they're not really in your face. You know, there's a lot more room given to shooters. And even when driving, driving a lane, you know, with a, you know, a lot of people aren't checking them. So it's been really something he had to learn is kind of, you know, driving lane and finishing through contact, stuff like that. And, he, and he's really getting better. And three, man, you know, there's not a lot of players from Israel playing in the NBA and coming over and being that guy, you know, representing a country, being that guy, there's a lot of pressure because, you don't want to be that guy, man, that comes over from Israel and fails. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the guy. And, you know, a lot of fans, you know, they do put pressure on him. And we, and me and he had to tell some fans last time, like, look, you know, let the guy be a kid. You know, he's 20. I mean, I, he's a young guy. You know, he's, you know, let him find his way. You know, let him, you know, let him find his way. I, I think he'll be all right, man. Now, I do think he's best served on the team where they're going to let him develop. You know, this team, you know, it's just we're not good at developing right now. And going to Indiana could be a good move and Antonio would be lovely for him because he would have room to kind of blossom you know his career would have been better in my opinion if he went to a team that is trying to develop young talent you know coming to a situation where you already got established veterans and you and the team doesn't have an identity you know it, it's tough it really is so I, I think he has a lot of potential and I think he's going to be a really really good good player in this league so uh before we go man uh e, you got any more questions there no that's it Cool, man. Uh, all right, Will, man. Again, appreciate you tonight, man. Um, before we roll, you got anything you want to plug, man? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just a, a dude with kids and a family and a Twitter <laughs> account. Uh, so, you know, if you guys ever want to follow me, I'm uh, at Will uh, C, capital I, Aiden. I have no affiliation with the CIA. It's just someone had my name, <laughs> so I had to get creative and do a capital I. Uh, but uh, I appreciate y'all for having me on, man. This was fun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anytime, man. Yes, sir. So thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game Locked On 
NBA, available on Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. So, again, I appreciate everybody. Appreciate you, Will. Appreciate you, E. And everybody, I hope everybody has a blessed night and peace. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.